TLR8 is a sensor of RNA's T2 degradation products. Wilhelm Greulich and Weit Hornung from Ludwig Maximilian Universität München, Munich, Germany. Cell 2019. Summary TLR8 is among the highest expressed pattern recognition receptors in the human myeloid compartment, yet its mode of action is poorly understood. TLR8 engages two distinct ligand binding sites to sense RNA degradation products, although it remains unclear how these ligands are formed in cellular in the context of complex RNA molecule sensing. Here we identified the lysosomal endoribonuclease RNAs G2 as a non-redundant upstream component of TLRA-dependent RNA recognition. RNAs T2 activity is required for rendering complex single-stranded exogenous RNA molecules detectable for TLR8. This is due to RNAs T2's preferential cleavage of single-stranded RNA molecules between purine and uridine residues, which critically contributes to the supply of catabolic uridine and the generation of purine 2'-3' cyclophosphate-terminated oligonucleotides. Thus generated molecules constitute agonistic ligands for the first and second binding pockets of TLR8. Together, these results establish the identity and origin of the RNA-derived molecular pattern sensed by TLR8. Introduction Pattern recognition receptors, PRRs, of the innate branch of our immune system have evolved to sense the presence of microbe-associated molecular patterns, MAMPs, as a non-self. A heterogeneous group of PRRs can detect microbial nucleic acids in different subcellular compartments. Microbe-derived nucleic acids do not always fulfill the criteria of a true MAMP given that they do not necessarily differ in their biochemical structure from host-derived nucleic acids. Here, to ensure discrimination of self versus not self, additional principles apply. These principles include the following. The positioning of these pattern recognition receptors in compartments that are devoid of potential self-ligands, for example, the endolysosome. The regulation of the abundance of endogenous nucleic acids, for example, by nucleases, and the modulation of nucleic acid sensors, thresholds, by additional licensing signals, for example, type 1 interference. Among the toll-like receptor TLR family, four TLRs detect nucleic acids in the human system. TLR3 senses long double-stranded RNA, double-strand RNA, and TLR9 detects CPG motif containing DNA molecules, whereas TLR7 and TLR8 sense RNA degradation products. Mice express TLR13 as an additional nucleic acid sensing TLR. Interestingly, this TLR seems to respond to single-stranded RNAs of a rather specific sequence and conformation, which renders it unique among the other nucleic acid sensing 
tell us that seem to harbor little sequence specificity. The role of TLR7 has been extensively studied in the murine system. Here, it has been shown that TLR7 plays a pivotal role in virus recognition and sterile inflammation. Human and murine TLR7 are well expressed in plasmacytoids dendritic cells, PDC, and B cells, as well as in certain cells of the myeloid lineage. Human TLR8, on the other hand, is not expressed in PDC or B cells, but is highly abundant in cells of myeloid lineage, including neutrophils. Although the expression profile of murine TLR8 is similar to that of human TLR8, it differs in functionality. TLR7 deficient mouse microphages display a complete loss of responsiveness towards single-strand RNA molecules or synthetic agonists that activate human TLR7 or TLR8. Although studies have reported on the functionality of murine TLR8 under certain conditions, it appears that murine TLR13 acts as a functional homologue of human TLR8. As such, it has been shown that bacterial and bacterial RNA of various sources are potent activators of HTLR8 and MTLR13, respectively. However, despite these functional commonalities, the modes of recognition between these two TLRs are vastly different. With regards to their ligand sensing capacities, both human TLR7 and TLR8 share a similar mode of action. They hold shoal-shaped leucine-rich repeat LRR domains from side-to-side -side homodimers in a rotational symmetry. In this configuration, two distinct sets of ligand-binding locations are available. Two ligand-binding pockets, one provided by each promoter, are situated at the apex of the demerization interface. First binding pocket. For TLR8, this site has been shown to bind uridine molecules, as well as synthetic TLR8 agonists, such as TL8506. Two additional binding pockets, again one from each promoter, are positioned at the concave surface of the LRR's second binding pocket. This pocket has been shown to bind short oligoribonucleotides whereas its engagement strongly increases the affinity of the first binding pocket towards uridine molecules. As such, optimal TLR8 agonism is achieved when the first and second binding pockets are occupied. Of note, synthetic agonists and high concentrations of uridine can exert TLR8 agonism in the absence of the engagement of second binding pockets. However, to exert agonistic activity, complex RNA ligands require a functional second binding pocket. Despite our detailed structure understanding of TLR8 ligand binding domains, it has yet remained elusive how TLR8 agonistic ligands are being formed in the context of sensing complex RNA ligands. In this study, we set out to explore the mechanism by which complex RNA molecules and live pathogens are rendered visible to TLR8. Results TLR7 and TLR8 are functional TLRs 
in PLAER1 monocytes. To genetically dissect TLR8 signaling, we turned to the BLAER1 system that we have previously employed to model human monocytes. In these cells, TLR8 expression is strongly upregulated upon transdifferentiation. We used the well-established RNA40 molecule, which is a 20-mer single-strand RNA oligonucleotide, ON, derived from the HIV1 genome as a prototypic ligand. We used a variant of RNA40 stabilized by phosphoreothiate modifications designed as RNA40S. This modification renders the internucleated linkage more nuclease resistant and hence increases the half-life of these oligonucleotides in biological systems. To deliver RNA into endolysosomal compartments, we used the polycationic polypeptide of polyarginine PR. As a proxy of pro-information gene expression, we measured IL6 production. After stimulation with RNAs 40S or with small molecule ligands specific to TLR8, TLR506 or both TLR7 and TLR8, R848, PLAER1 monocytes produced IL6. As expected, TLR8 minus minus PLAER1 monocytes were unresponsive to the TLR8 specific ligand TL8506, whereas R848 mediated activation was only blunted when both TLR7 and TLR8 were ablated. On the other hand, RNA14S mediated IL6 production was completely TLR8 dependent. TLR4-dependent stimulation, LPS, was active in all genotypes tested. TLR8 activation was observed when increasing doses of RNA were used and was also seen when RNA40S was transfected with lipofectamine 2000, albeit at lower activity. Studying the phosphodiester version of RNA40, RN40 degree, also showed TLRA-dependent stimulation, but with lower potency. Similar results were obtained when an unrelated phosphodiester single-strand RNA oligonucleotide P25M was studied. Control BLAER1 monocytes produced IL6 in response to this oligonucleotide whereas TLR8- cells showed no response. As previously noted, a self-complementary version of this oligonucleotide P20 did not exert any TLR8 agonistic activity. Corroboration with notion that a certain degree of single-strand conformation was required for stimulating this TLR. Altogether, these results establish that BLAER1 monocytes serve as a physiological model for the study of RNA-dependent activation of TLR8. RNAs T2-deficient cells fail to respond to RNA oligonucleotides. 
We hypothesize that luminal RNases must function upstream of TLR8 in that they degrade RNA14 into ligands that engage its first and or second binding pockets. We thus considered annotated enzymes with ribonuclease activity to be located either in the lysosome or in the extracellular space. Prioritizing lysosomal RNases that are well expressed in both primary human monocytes and transdifferentiated BLA-ER1 monocytes. We first focused on RNAs2, RNAs E6, RNAs ET2. We additionally included RNAs E1 because of its high expression in BLA-ER1 cells. Studying knockout cells of these RNases indicated that RNAs ET2 minus minus cells, but not RNAs E1 minus minus, RNAs E2 minus minus, or RNAs E6 minus minus cells, displayed a complete loss of function phenotype upon RNA 40S stimulation. Of note, RNAs T2 deficiency had no impact upon TLR4 mediated IL6 production, and stimulation with synthetic TLR8 agonists was unaffected in the absence of these RNAs. This indicates the RNAs T2 deficiency has no impact on the functionality of this receptor per se. Analogous results were obtained when we studied human monocytic THP1 cells deficient for RNAs T2 or TLR8. Reconstitution of RNAs T2 by lentiviral transduction rescued RNAs ET2 minus minus cells in the response towards RNAs 40S in a dose-dependent fashion. Finally, phosphodiester linkage oligonucleotides were also completely dependent on RNAs T2 in the TLR8 stimulatory activity. In summary, these results suggest that RNAs T2 is non-redundantly required for rendering RNA oligonucleotides TLR8 agonistic. RNAs T2 cleaves RNA between purine bases and uridine. We considered it most likely that RNA T2 degrades RNA into fragments that are rendered agonistic for either the first and or second binding pocket of TLR8. To characterize the putative degradation pattern of RNAs T2 digested RNA40, we incubated RNA40S by using recombinant RNAs T2 at limiting enzyme concentrations. This provided a characteristic cleavage pattern that was different from the one obtained with bovine pancreatic RNAs A, which is ortholus to human RNAs 1. To further analyze the cleavage pattern of RNAs T2 digested RNA 40, we analyzed individual fragments identified by liquid chromatography, LC, by using Melditov. Here, we first studied the digestion of RNA's 40 degree because RNA40S derived fragments generated less defined peaks on LC as a result of the diastereomeric configuration of the phosphodiothate bonds. 
this analysis revealed at least nine distinct peaks, of which eight peaks could be assigned to distinct masses compatible with endoribonuclease cleavage products of RNA 40 degree. Interestingly, all of the identified cleavage products were consistent with endoribonuclease activity between iguanosine and uridine residue. Moreover, the majority of the identified fragments displayed a mass that was compatible with a 3' configuration of a 2'-3' cyclophosphate rather than a 3' phosphate. Conducting analogous experiments with RNAs 40S provided comparable results. As such, a similar cleavage pattern was observed with fragments consistent with endoribonuclease activity between guanosine and uridine GU. However, the mass of the individual fragments indicated the presence of a 2'-3' cyclophosphate configuration. In total, analyzing RNA's T2 digested RNA 40 molecules yielded 11 out of 14 possible fragments that were consistent with cleavage between GU. In line with the well-established notion that RNAs A cleaves after pyrimidines, RNA 40 degree digested with RNAs A generated fragments that were terminated by a 3' uridine or cytidine. As observed for RNAs T2, the masses of the fragments were consistent with a 2'-3' cyclophosphate configuration. Because RNA 40 provided limited sequence space for systemic exploration of the substrate specificity of RNAs T2, we next conducted RNAs T2 cleavage assays by using a set of oligonucleotides that contained all 16 possible dinucleotide substrates. These experiments confirmed that RNAs T2 cleaved between GU and furthermore indicated that also AU served as a substrate with comparable efficiency. Of note, treating the self-complementary oligoribonucleotide P20 with RNAs T2 did not yield any discernible fragments, whereas its single-strand RNA counterpart was readily digested. These results indicate that base-pairing RNA molecules did not serve as substrates for RNAs T2, providing a rationale as to why such oligoribonucleotides exerted no TLR8 activity. In summary, these results indicate that under the conditions tested, RNAs T2 preferentially cleaves single-stranded RNA between purine and uridine residues and leaves a guanosine or adenosine 2'-3' cyclophosphate configuration. Altered RNA catabolism in cellulose in the absence of RNAs T2 to address how RNAs T2 affects the catabolism of RNA substrates in cellulose, we undertook a mass spectrometry approach to determine the abundance of selected metabolites in control and RNAs ET2 cells. On the basis of synthetic standards, in vitro digests of RNA 40 or unequivocally ascribable masses we could employ this technology to determine selected metabolites ranging from nucleosides up to certain trinucleotides. 
We first aim to identify INE's 4DS derived degradation products by taking advantage of the fact that INE's 4DS derived nucleotides are distinguishable by mass from endogenous molecules because the sulfur atom is present as part of the phosphodiester linkage. Analyzing mono and dinucleotides with a 2'3' cyclophosphate moiety showed that the abundance of RNAs 40S derived C major than P and CC major than P was only scarcely affected by RNAs G2 deficiency, whereas the levels of G more than P were reduced by more than 90%. Of note, U more than P and UU more than P levels were also greatly reduced in the absence of RNAs T2. RNAs 40S derived A more than P was undetectable in the control of RNAs T2 deficient samples. Moreover, GG more than P and AA more than P which are not present in RNA 40, were not found in any sample. Intriguingly, peaks assignable to RNA 40 as derived UG more P or UUG more than P were readily identified in control cells but were only scarcely detectable or undetectable in the lysates of RNAs T2 deficient cells. Analyzing the endogenous pool of nucleotides, non-sulfur-containing nucleotides, in these RNA-40 stimulated samples or unstimulated samples largely mirrored the results obtained with RNA-40S-derived motobolites. Endogenous C more than P and CC more than P levels were not affected by RNA's T2 deficiency whereas G more than P, U more than P and UU more than P levels strongly decreased. In addition, endogenous A more than P, AA more than P and GG more than P levels could not be detected, and these metabolites were also strongly affected by the absence of RNAs T2. Of note, mononucleotide levels were not decreased in the RNAs ET2- cells. Although these results could provide univocal proof of the source of the measured metabolites and also inform on the relative abundance of these metabolites dependent on RNAs T2, these experiments cannot provide insight into relative increase in putative RNAs 40 derived metabolites upon RNA 40 stimulation. To address this question, we conducted stimulation experiments with RNAs 40 degree, which gives rise to degradation products that are of the same mass as the endogenous metabolites. These experiments revealed that RNA 40 degree stimulation led to a moderate increase in G more than P, A more than P, U more than P and C more than P levels 2.8, 1.5, 3.4 and 1.9 fold respectively, and that G more than P and IA more than P levels, and to a lesser extent U more than P levels, were RNAs T2 dependent. GG more than P, AA more than P, UU more than P and CC more than P levels were not increased upon RNA 40 stimulation and similarly to the mononucleotides AA more than P, GG more than P and to a lesser extent 
UU Maiden P levels, where RNA is T2 dependent. C Maiden P and CC Maiden P levels were unaffected by RNA T2 deficiency. Intriguingly, UG Maiden P levels were induced by 33-fold upon RNA 40 stimulation, and UUG Maiden P could only be detected in RNA 40 stimulated cells. Both these metabolites were completely RNAs T2 dependent. Of note, RNAs E2 and RNAs E6 deficient cells showed no decrease in RNAs 40 derived metabolites. A reduction of C modem P and CC modem P levels was observed only for RNAs 1 minus minus cells. In conclusion, these results indicate that RNAs T2 is not redundantly necessary for generating certain ribonucleotides with a 2-3' cyclophosphate moiety of both endogenous and exogenous origins. Most critically, UG modem P and UUG modem P were completely RNAs T2 dependent metabolites and almost exclusively seen in cells stimulated with exogenous RNA. A minimal motif for TLR8. The above studies implied that the presence of GUD nucleotides, which serves as a recognition site for RNAs T2, was important for the TLR8 agonistic activity of RNA40. Given that RNA40 contains four such GUD nucleotides, we turned to a more reductionist setting to address this hypothesis. Indeed, previous work showed that a UUGU motif within an otherwise non-stimulatory deoxyoligonucleotide exerted pro-inflammatory activity in human myeloid cells, consistent with TLR8 stimulation. We hypothesized that the activity of this motif was dictated by the presence of its GUD nucleotide, which serves as a substrate of RNAs T2. Indeed, testing the UUGU containing oligonucleotide, we observed its activity to be dependent on RNAs T2 and TLR8, albeit with lower activity than RNA40. Moreover, in line with the substrate specificity of RNAs T2, exchanging the terminal uridine in this motif for the other three naturally occurring ribonucleotides, we observed the uridine, but not any other nucleotide following guanosine, was critically required for rendering this motif stimulatory for TLR8. Interestingly, in this previous study, AU-rich oligonucleotides were also reported to exert pro-inflammatory activity. Again, these observations are in line with the observed substrate specificity of RNAs T2 and raise the question as to whether AU-containing oligonucleotides exert RNAs T2-dependent TLR8 agonism. Indeed, UUAU stimulated RNAs T2-dependent TLR8 and when the AU motif was permutated to AA, UUAA, no stimulatory activity was observed. These functional data were reflected by the abundance of respective oligonucleotide-dependent metabolites in cellu. Only UUGU, but not UUGA, 
stimulated, cells displayed an increase in G mod MP and UG mod MP levels, and this was completely RNA-ST2 dependent. At the same time, UUAU, but not UUAA, stimulation led to an RNA-ST2 dependent increase in A mod MP and UUA mod MP levels. Interestingly, U mod MP levels were disconnected from the stimulator capacity of these oligonucleotides. To this end, the non-stimulatory oligonucleotides UUAA led to the same levels of U mod MP as the agonistic oligonucleotide UUGU, whereas these levels were largely RNA-ST2 independent. In summary, this data suggests that UURU constitutes a minimal motif for RNA-ST2 dependent TLR8 activation by an RNA oligonucleotide. However, these results indicate that the RNA-ST2 dependent release of UR-MODMP fragments highly correlates with TLR8 agonistic activity. Although a sole increase in UR-MODMP levels in the context of RNA stimulation is not sufficient for TLR8 agonism. RNA-ST2 degradation products bypass the lack of RNA-ST2 to exert TLR8 agonism. We hypothesize that RNA-ST2 activity acting on exogenous RNA substrates was predominantly required for generating ligands for the second binding pocket of TLR8. This idea was spurred by the notion that previous structure studies had revealed the coordination of a Y-G and Y-Y-G D or 3 nucleotide with a 2'-3' cyclophosphate in the second binding pocket of TLR8. The requirement for this Y-Y-G mod MP motif in this binding location, as revealed in these studies, was well in line with the notion that stimulation with TLR8 agonistic oligonucleotides resulted in the appearance of such fragments in an RNAs T2 dependent manner. To address whether we could directly engage TLR8 by providing agonists for the second binding pocket of TLR8, we digested RNA4TS by using RNAs T2 in vitro by using limiting amounts of enzyme and subsequently delivered the thus obtained fragments into BLAER1 monocytes. At the same time, we treated RNA40S by using RNAs A, covering a range of three concentrations to encompass both excess plus 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 and limiting plus enzyme amounts. As expected, undigested RNA40 was only active in control cells and non-stimulatory when RNAs T2 or TLR8 was absent. However, in vitro RNAs T2 digested RNA40 was active in control cells and also stimulatory in RNAs ET2 cells. As expected, TLR8 dependency was maintained for these in vitro digested RNA. Hence, the accelerated RNA40 digestion using RNAs T2 could bypass the requirement of lysosomal RNAs T2. 
Intriguingly, RNAs A derived degradation products were unable to trigger TLR8 activation in RNAs ET2 cells. However, their activity in control cells was present only when undigested RNA40S was present, as was the case in the undercut preparation. To study this approach, with a defined motif, we designed an oligonucleotide that contained only one UUGU motif in an otherwise inert sequence context, AC7 UUGUCU. As expected, digestion of this oligonucleotide by RNAs T2 generated a major 17-mer fragment, and stimulation experiments showed that this oligonucleotide exerts RNAs T2-dependent TLR8 agonism. Analogous to the results obtained with RNA40 accelerodigestion on this oligonucleotide bypassed the requirement for endogenous RNAs T2. We next wanted to test whether oligonucleotides directly terminating with the UG motif would exert TLR8 agonism on their own. In order to be able to employ high-performance liquid chromatography, HPLC, to purify these oligonucleotides, we exchanged the inert AC portion of AC7UUGUCU into a non-phosphorylthioate-deoxyonucleotide DADC7. Similarly to the previous results, this oligonucleotide exerted RNAST2-dependent TLR8 agonism and extracellular digestion bypassed RNAs T2 requirements. We next compared a version of this oligonucleotide terminating with UUG with a variant lacking the 3' terminal guanosine UU. These experiments showed that UUG could exert TLR8 agonism, whereas the UU variant was completely inactive. However, this activity was greatly reduced in comparison with that of the extracellular digested RNAs T2 substrate UUGUCU, and also partially RNAs T2 dependent. We considered that two possible scenarios might be accountable for this difference. On the one hand, the extracellular digested oligonucleotide additionally contained the three prime terminal UCU fragment which could serve the function of supplying lysosomal uridine, the abundance of which would be dependent on RNAs T2 and exogenous RNA delivery. On the other hand, the 2'-3'-prime cyclophosphate group of the RNAs T2 digested fragment could be responsible for its higher potency over the here tested 3'-hydroxyterminated fragment. To address these scenarios, we obtained highly pure 3'-OH3'-phosphate or 2'-3'-cyclophosphate-terminated DADC8UUG by HPLC purification and tested these fragments in the absence or presence of a uridine donor. To this end, we co-delivered the previously characterized UUAA oligonucleotide, which did not exert TLR8 activity, but resulted in the release of U more than P to the same extent as TLR8 agonist oligonucleotide. These experiments revealed 
33 DADC8 UUG oligonucleotides exerted 10% to 20% of the activity of the XLO-digested substrate on their own. However, co-delivery of UUAA greatly enhanced the activity of the three UUG oligonucleotides, now paralleling the activity of the XLO-digested substrate. The UUAA oligonucleotide itself exerted no activity at all. Comparing the oligonucleotides with the three different UUG 3' termini revealed that the 2' 3' cyclophosphate moiety increased activity by approximately twofold. In summary, this result indicated the RNAs T2 requirement for TLR8 stimulation can be bypassed by the delivery of granosine terminated oligonucleotide fragment through the direct engagement of the second binding pocket of TLR8. Under these conditions, sufficient uridine levels are required so that the engagement of the second binding pocket can trigger TLR8 activation. Staphylococcus aureus detection in myeloid cells depends on RNAs T2 upstream of TLR8. To explore whether RNAs T2 also play a role in the recognition of microbial pathogen, they are sensed by TLR8. We studied the recognition of Staphylococcus aureus. Previous work has established that human myeloid cells largely employ TLR8 to detect S aureus. BLAER1 monocytes responded to purified staphylococcal RNA delivered by PR in a RNAs T2 and TLRA dependent fashion. Next, we incubated BLAER1 monocytes with live S aureus to different MOE. Under these conditions, BLAER1 cells displayed a potent IL-6 response upon stimulation with S. aureus. And this response was again largely dependent on RNAs T2 and TLR8. Furthermore, to address whether RNA from live S. aureus is degraded by RNAs T2 in cellulose, we metabolically labeled S. aureus by using stable isotype containing medium and analyzed isotype labeled metabolites in BLAER1 monocytes upon infection. Doing so, we could detect osaurus derived ribonucleotides in infected cells, yet these metabolites were not affected by RNAs T2 deficiency. At the same time, osaurus dependent G modem P and A modem P could be detected in control cells but not in RNAs ET cells. Humodin P and Cmodin P levels could not be determined. Altogether, these results suggest that the recognition of a complex bacterial RNA molecule, such as the one encountered in the context of S. aureus infection, depends on RNAs T2 upstream of TLR8. Discussion Despite central function in antimicrobial immunity and autoimmunity, our mechanistic understanding of RNA-sensing PRR-TLR8 has remained limited. 
Here, we identify the lysosomal endoribonuclease RNAs T2 as a pivotal upstream component for the recognition of RNA molecules by TLR8. Using various model substrates, we found that human RNAs T2 cleaves single-strand RNA molecules at RU, generating adenosine or guanosine 2'-3' cyclophosphate-terminated fragments. In line with previous structure studies, such oligoribonucleotides constitute ideal ligands for engaging the second binding pocket of TLR8. However, because of its substrate specificity, RNAs T2 also serves to increase catabolic uridine, which engages the first binding pocket of TLR8, another prerequisite for the activation of this PRR. However, this functionality of releasing uridine from exogenous substrate RNA is not sufficient to activate TLR8. And uridine release can also be uncoupled from RNAs T2. Interestingly, RNAs T2 functions in a larger redundant fashion upstream of TLR8. This implies that other lysosomal RNAs, of which there are several within the lysosome, cannot produce the 3' terminal required for engaging TLR8. In line with this notion, endoribonucleases that are part of the RNAs A family cleaves 3' of pyrimidines, hence generating incompatible 3' ends for the second binding pocket of TLR8. As such, it appears that HTLR8 has evolved to specifically sense the presence of RNAs T2 degradation products within the lysosome. RNAs T2 is part of the endoribonuclease family that consists of RNAs A, RNAs T1, and RNAs T2. Members of this transferase type endoribonucleases cleave the substrate via 2'-3' cyclophosphate intermediate to a 3' phosphate. Apart from the shared mode of action, all of these RNAs locate to compartments of the secretory pathway, as such, ending up in the lysosome of the extracellular space. Whereas RNAs T1 family members are found only in fungi and bacteria, RNAs A members exist only in the vertebrate system. Unlike RNAs A members, RNAs T2 family members are found across all living organisms, excluding the domain archaea. Indeed, RNAs T2 is highly conserved in metazone, and unlike RNAs A family members, of which there are 13 included in the human genome, it has not undergone extensive duplication or diversification events. This would argue for an important housekeeping function of RNAs T2. One possibility is that RNAs T2 plays an important role in ribosome turnover, for example, in the context of ribophagy. In line with this notion, zebrafish deficient in RNAs T2 activity display a marked accumulation of RNA within lysosomes, although this is mostly confined to the central nervous system. Structural studies of RNAs T2 have revealed two distinct base coordinating sites, B1 and B2 sites, 
located 5' prime and 3' prime to C-seal bond. Both sites can affect substrate specificity of RNAs T2. For example, the B2 site of the bitter code RNAs T2 ortholog MC1 accommodates uridine and thus dictates its substrate specificity for 5' prime and new 3' prime denucleotides. Human RNAs T2 is structurally highly related to MC1 and the base coordinating amino acid residues in its B2 site orthogonous to the ones of MC1. In line with this notion, all of the here identified in vitro digesting RNA fragments displayed termini that were the result of a cleavage event upstream of uridine. In addition, we find the B1 site to be specific to purine nucleotides R, rendering the substrate specificity of RNAs T2 to be RU. To further assess the activity and substrate specificity, of RNAs T2 and RNAs A family enzymes in cellulose, we made use of the possibility to measure 2 prime 3 prime cyclophosphate terminated nucleotides of both exogenous and endogenous origins. Indeed, with currently little known about the fate of lysosomal RNA degradation products, we could consider the analysis of these immediate endonuclease products as an ideal proxy of the catabolic activity of these enzymes. This analysis revealed the RNAs ET2 cells displayed a marked drop in G mod P and A mod P and G mod P and A mod P terminated nucleotides of both endogenous and exogenous sources. Even the RNAs A family enzymes mainly cleave after pyrimidines, one would expect. C mod P and U mod P levels to be unaffected in the absence of RNAs T2. Indeed, C mod P levels were largely intact in the absence of RNAs T2, yet were affected by deletion of one of the RNAs A family enzymes, RNAs E1. However, U mod P levels were almost decreased as much as the levels of G mod P or A. P. Because RNAs T2 cleaves upstream of uridine, RNAs T2 deficiency is expected to decrease Eumodin P levels by theoretically 50%. Why Eumodin P levels were affected beyond these concentrations is unclear. It is conceivable that RNAs T2 also accepts uridine in its P1 site but with lower affinity thereby masking this activity in our undercutting conditions. At the same time, it is possible that additional factors beyond the denucleotide substrate specificity of RNAs T2 affect its activity in cellulose. Nevertheless, apart from its impact on the abundance of purine terminated RNA fragments and nucleotides, we can infer from these results that the lysosome concentration of uridine is markedly decreased in the absence of RNAs T2. By uncovering the role of RNAs T2 and its unique substrate, specificity upstream of TLR8, our studies shed light on the nature of the MAMP or DAMP damage-associated molecular pattern that is sensed by TLR8. In fact, RNAs T2 affects the availability of ligands, 
for both binding pockets of TLR8. Although these functionalities are interconnected in the context of a physiological RNA ligand being sensed, it is important to consider these steps separately because they differ in quality and relevance. The second binding pocket of TLR8 has been shown to accommodate guanosine-terminated DN3 nucleotides, whereas the nucleotides preceding guanosine have been found to be pyrimidine, preferably uridine. With its unique substrate specificity for RU within single-strand RNA, RNA-ST2 generates purine-terminated ribonucleotides that can engage the second binding pocket of TLR8. Indeed, across different stimulatory conditions tested, RNA-delivered UUR more than P fragments were RNA-ST2 dependent and closely correlated with TLR8 agonistic activity. In fact, our study suggests that RNA-ST2 is the only lysosomal endoribonuclease that generates aforementioned 3' termini, thus explaining its not redundant function in the RNA recognition upstream of TLR8. As an additional feature of endoribonuclease cleavage, the thus generated 3' termini harbor a 2' 3' cyclophosphate configuration. Although this feature is neither sufficient nor required for TLR8 agonistic activity, it shows enhanced activity compared with that of 3' OH or 3' phosphate terminated fragments. The first binding pocket of TLR8 binds uridine. With its strictly specificity for uridine in the B2 position, RNA-ST2 also critically contributes to catabolism-associated uridine levels and thus the activation of TLR8. To this end, lack of RNA-ST2 resulted in approximately four-fold reduced P levels under steady-state conditions. And after stimulation of approximately 15-fold difference was observed. In that regard, upon delivery of a sole second binding pocket agonist, UUG, the TLR8 response of control and RNA-ST2 deficient cells was much reduced in comparison with that of cells that were stimulated with an extra digested oligonucleotides. However, this could be reverted by co-delivery of a non-stimulatory oligonucleotide, UUAA, to increase uridine levels to concentrations that paralleled the uridine concentrations of the LR8 agonistic oligonucleotides. Under these conditions, the stimulatory capacity of the UUG-terminated oligonucleotides was strongly increased to the level of the cellular RNA-ST2 digested precursor. From these experiments, we can conclude that uridine released from exogenous RNA sources strongly contributes to TLR8 activation under these conditions. Nevertheless, it's important to note that despite its critical role in TLR8 activation, catabolic uridine is not sufficient in the context of a complex RNA molecules being sensed, and RNA-ST2 is not its sole source. As such, the stimulatory activity of an oligonucleotide did not correlate with the abundance of oligonucleotide-derived uridine levels.
and an increase in iodine levels could be achieved in the absence of RNAST2. In summary, RNAST2 activity is required for the TLRA-dependent recognition of complex RNA molecules by carrying out two independent functions that are both dictated by its substrate specificity. On the one hand, by regulating catabolism-derived iodine levels, RNAase T2 critically contributes to the engagement of the first binding pocket. On the other hand, RNAase T2 non-redundantly generates agonistic ligands for the second binding pocket of TLR8, which allosterically controls the affinity for uridine of the first binding pocket. Of note, this regulatory step is critically required in the context of a natural RNA substrate being sensed. Loss of function mutations within the human RNAase T2 gene result in a cystic leukoencephalopathy, which resembles congenital cytomegalovirus infection in clinical and neurological features. It is tempting to speculate that these RNA T2-related leukodystrophy shares the same photomechanism with Icardi-Guitrier syndrome, AGS. In AGS, defects in nucleic acid metabolism result in the indivertent engagement of nucleic acid-sensing PRRs, and thus the initiation of autoinflammation. At first sight, this association seems counterintuitive, gives that all data imply a pro-inflammatory role of RNAase-T2 upstream of TLR8. However, the fact that different RNA-sensing PRRs harbor different ligand specificities could explain this scenario. It is conceivable that RNAase-T2 deficiency results in the accumulation of undigested RNA in the lysosome and leads to its cytosolic translocation and engagement of cytosolic RNA sensors. Interestingly, a similar scenario has been described for the lysosomal endonuclease DNAase 2. On the one hand, DNAase 2 activity is required for degrading complex DNA molecules within the lysosome into fragments so that TLR9 can be engaged. On the other hand, lack of DNAase 2 results in the accumulation of lysosomal DNA, which subsequently leads to its translocation and activation of the CGAS sting pathway. As such, RNAase-T2 activity could require a tie balance between its pro-immunogenic role upstream of TLR8 and its potentially anti-inflammatory role as an RNA-degrading enzyme. In that respect, the activity of these lysosomal nucleases appears to be well protected against potential pathogen-encoded counter-regulatory mechanisms in their perturbation of the activities, with result in the initiation of antimicrobial defense mechanisms. Thank you for listening. If you have any suggestion, article or review you would like to listen to, follow me on Twitter, pubreading, or send me an email info.pub.reading at gmail.com Let's connect.